You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to Now Hear This. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. Now Hear This is a conversation with leaders in Indianapolis that are working to improve the lives of Hoosiers. Our goal is to empower you to join in their work and make a difference while informing you about the unseen aspects of life in Indiana. If you miss an episode, you can listen via podcast at nowhearthisindy.com. Today, my guest is Ryan Vaughn, who is the president of the Indiana Sports Corp. And I want to thank you so much for joining me. Their website is indianasportscorp.org, by the way. Always like to mention that up top. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me. And can you explain what Indiana Sports Corp is? Sure. Yeah, we are a nonprofit um, a company that, whose mission is to advance and inspire our community through sports. Um, practically, what that means is that we are the group that is charged with attracting large sporting events to choose Indiana um, as the place where their event will be hosted. And then we turn around and, and serve as the host for those events. So we compete against other cities for the right and opportunity to host things like Final Fours, Super Bowls, um, college football championships, things of this nature. Uh, we do that years in advance. And if we're selected, when the event comes to Indy, we're the ones that help execute the logistics around the event itself. Can we go back in history a little bit and talk about the sports strategy and what that means for Indianapolis? I know a lot of people are skeptical about using taxpayer dollars for some of that stuff. Um, what has the sports strategy meant? How did it develop? And uh, what impact does it have on Indianapolis? Yeah, it's, it's a tremendous positive impact. You know, and our, our history really dates back to the, to the 70s, 1970s. Um, where, you know, Indianapolis, like most major cities in America around that time, 70s and early 80s, was experiencing pretty massive suburban flight. So people who lived and worked in the core of our downtown were uh, electing to move out for, you know, more land, bigger houses, things of that nature. And uh, as a result, you know, the, the concentration of economic activity was really becoming much more dispersed and our downtown started suffering. And so, um, you know, like most cities, they needed a strategy to really kind of lean in and, and uh, reinvigorate that downtown. Um, and, you know, in Indiana in particular, you know, so goes Indianapolis, so goes Indiana from an economic standpoint, from at least tax generation standpoint. And so uh, the decision was made um, to really kind of focus on amateur sports as that opportunity to both attract those sports related businesses to choose Indiana where they were located and also to convince those businesses to host their premier events in town. So it was kind of a twofold strategy um, that's worked out really well over time. And we, you know, we were the, for, the first sports commission in the country. The whole notion of having a sports commission didn't even exist prior to Indiana Sports Board. There are now more than 500, right? So this is obviously a model that has been replicated and working well. And we've seen the growth of the city. You know, we've had a, a largely Olympic sport focus in the 70s and early 80s. Um, grew to more of a uh, Olympic and collegiate. Now it's Olympic, collegiate, and you know professional championships, um, and it really drives a lot of the economy. I mean, the, the sports tourism business is is huge. And uh, for those listeners who are concerned about the allocation of tax dollars around that, I mean, most of what pays for that are visitors' taxes, right? It's it's taxes on hotels, taxes on car rentals, taxes on um, you know entertainment, food and beverage. Uh, taxes on tickets. It's things like that that generate the uh, income that support the investment in the sports infrastructure. So what does that mean for the local economy? How, how does it quantify in terms of 
both dollars back to the Indiana resident and then also jobs? I mean, how many jobs are tied to the Indiana sports strategy? Well, so the, the sports strategy, I think, works in parallel with sort of the visitor convention strategy, right? And there are almost 80,000 jobs in hospitality. So you think uh, hospitality and entertainment. So you think about staffing these venues, hotels, uh, restaurants, transportation, uh, infrastructure assembly. You know, one, one of the great stories I like to tell is a company called Sports Graphics. Sports Graphics started when we started back in 1979 as a printing company, they printed flyers uh, to go along with sports events. Um, because of the sports that have come through Indianapolis and because of the partnerships that company has made, they are now the national provider of look and feel and decor for you know things, companies like the NFL, parts of the NBA, the NCAA. So like when the bracket goes on the side of the JW, that's sport graphics. And that's a company that's grown literally from nothing to something substantial because of these events. And so people think a lot about the, the tourists that come to town, but they don't necessarily always focus on the businesses that support that tourism and how they've grown over the years because of it. So what goes into something like a Final Four or an NBA All-Star Game? What is the process of putting on that level of an event for the city? Yeah, I mean, phase one is you have to win the event, right? And so we spend a lot of time working with partners from our hotels to visit Indy, the Capital Improvement Board, our major sports professional leagues, and we bid, we build what we call a bid, right? So multiple cities will submit their own version of a bid to host. Um, we always put, you know, really our best foot forward. You know, for example, to host the NBA All-Star Game, we created, a, we created a bid which talked about ancillary activations and the quality of the venues and the access to the airport and transportation. Uh, and then we wrapped an IndyCar uh, put Larry Bird in it, took it to New York and had him drive down uh, Fifth Avenue and, and hand deliver a, a box uh, to the commissioner. Right. So it's really, you know, you got to got to be special from day one. Um, but when it comes to the back end, once you've had the opportunity to be awarded the event, um, there's a, a, a meaningful logistical effort that needs to happen. You know, everything from venue to fan entertainment, engagement, media, hospitality, you name it, it has to kind of be built from, from ground zero almost every time. So once the event is taking place, what kind of coordination happens amongst the different, you know, private and public services within Indianapolis? Yeah, so in order to execute these events, we we form what we call a local organizing committee. We refer to it as an LOC. Um, and on that LOC will be chaired, you know, you'll have a community chairperson. So for the uh, final four, it's Quinn Buckner and Katie Douglas, right? There are community champions. And then as a, think of it as an org chart, underneath that, there are literally sometimes 50 sub boxes of work that needs to be done. And a lot of that is coordination, as you just mentioned, between the kind of private entity and the public entity. So, you know, when we have to provide public safety um, for all the tourists and guests that are coming here, we have to provide transportation. That means the police chief is involved, the director of DPW is involved, um, when you're going to do a bunch of signage, uh, you need, you know, deputy mayors involved to help make sure this process is smooth on the back end. And so there really is kind of hand in glove coordination with the city and the state uh, since we're the state capital. 
Talking to Ryan Vaughn, who is the president of Indiana Sports Corp. Their website is indianasportscorp.org. Let's talk about the Final Four, the March Madness that is coming up. This is completely unique in anything in the NCAA's history, which, by the way, is headquartered here in Indianapolis. Uh, can you talk about what went into securing the March Madness? I understand it was a very involved process. Um, correct, yeah. I mean, I think the NCAA um, certainly watched uh, all that happened, you know, last year, and in particular, the success the NBA had playing in the bubble in Orlando, and began to internally prepare for what might be a, a similar scenario that they needed to execute come March and April. Um, and so, with that, you know, comes a, comes a whole lot of work, right? I mean, I just mentioned to you, we're normally bidding on events uh, of this type of scope and scale five, six, seven years in advance, and here we are three, four months in advance, right? And so there's a lot of things that kind of had to happen in parallel. First and foremost, you know, the NCA engaged, um, you know, a healthcare provider locally to advise them. They have their own council of medical experts. And then they really had to go back to that public-private partnership you were talking about and work with Dr. Kane at the local level and Dr. Box at the state level to figure out how could they successfully host this event safely. Uh, so that's sort of uh, step one, uh, it's not an insignificant step, by the way, but it is step one. Step two was, you know, do we have the space and availability? Um, and, and by that, I mean, you know, Indianapolis is pretty fortunate that our calendar is usually quite full of events. I think last year there were only six weekends where there wasn't something happening. Um, so what did it look like? You know, the, the convention center had business that was booked. Hotels had business that were, were booked. Venues had uh, a, a business or games already scheduled. And so it really became a logistical uh, Herculean effort on the part of Visit Indy, the Capital Improvement Board, and those venues to start shuffling their schedules, working with their partners to create availability um, so that we could host this. And it's going to take place all across the state, is it not? Yeah, it'll take place in six venues. Uh, most of it will be in Indianapolis, but we will play first and second round games in both Mackey Arena and Assembly Hall. Okay, and, you know, Indianapolis is always, you know, maybe you can talk about this, just the reputation that Indianapolis has built specifically since the Super Bowl uh, that I've noticed this kind of uptick in media compliments for Indianapolis. And I think people who live here don't fully understand the difference between us and let's say a Columbus or a Peoria or another Midwestern town. I mean, what is the reputation that Indian Indianapolis has specifically for hosting these kinds of events? Yeah, we're certainly seen as a national leader. Um, you know, we, uh, you know, we weigh sort of outpunch our weight class relative to our peers. I mean, I would consider our competitive peers places like Miami, New Orleans, Atlanta, Dallas, you know, these are cities of significantly larger population and, and resources. But uh, I think what's made us special is the way that we, as a community, sort of invest in these events. Um, you know, not only do we have great infrastructure, right? I mean, we have the number one ranked airport, like eight years running. Um, our, our venues are, are first in class. You know, Visit India's uh, USA Today has named us the number one convention city uh, in America, right? So we have built the infrastructure to make it uh, just an awesome experience for tourists and guests. But then there's the human infrastructure that really takes it to the next level. I mean, our volunteers are very special. They're special to us. They've helped us develop this reputation. Um, they always show up and put on that sort of Hoosier hospitality that we're known for. 
uh, and people just love it. I mean, people from all parts of the country come here. They enjoy the Midwest atmosphere. They enjoy the uh, the amenities. They enjoy that it's walkable and safe and clean. And that reputation is, you know, started really building itself nationally in 1982 with the, uh, the sports festival and 87 with the Pan Am Games. We posted seven Final Fours now, headed into our eighth. So it's just a it's a it's a thing that we're we're very guarded of. We want to continue to kind of have that reputation and offer that nationally. And and uh, thankfully, we've had great leadership before me that's that helped build that, and it's our responsibility to sustain and grow it. One thing that I've seen in doing this program uh, is that partisanship comes second here, and that seems unique. Is that a key element of making all of this work? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, um, we we it, it always comes second. I mean, um, it's about getting it done. I think we, you know, we're in a unique place uh, in our sort of national uh, history, I think, with how just um, unbelievably partisan we are as a, as a nation. And some of that is true as, as of a community as well. But, you know, one of the things that I think makes Indy special generally is that um, we all do care about Indy first and foremost, right? Now, we may have a lot of different ideas on how we get there and what we need to be doing, but you can really see that uh, when it comes to sports and when it comes to, um, you know, big moments for our city uh, where we're generating, people really, you know, set that in the background and get focused on our collective success as opposed to those things that divide us. So final question is, how can people get involved? I know that you you need volunteers. Is that not correct? It, it is correct. Uh, I will say it's, it's um, uh, obviously a little bit different volunteering in the middle of a pandemic than it is in a uh, you know typical kind of final four. But, you know, there are lots of ways uh, for folks to be helpful, and we are always grateful for, for their effort. And so just go to our website, indianasportscorp.org. You kind of kicked it off with that. Thank you. And uh, there's a tab there to volunteer, and you can – Register to volunteer, and you can even create your own profile on the things that you're most interested in volunteering for. And so we'd love to have you. Um, it's really important to our continued success. And candidly, it's a great way to get involved and be a part of Civic Pride uh, if you don't have a ticket to the game. So, Quickly, uh, what kind of volunteering opportunities are there? Um, well, it's tough to say right now, honestly, for March Madness. We're still trying to figure out the capacity, but, um, you know, we're going to need folks who can help us supervise, you know, cleaning, help us organize transportation. Um, you know, a variety of different things you can do without being physically present that are going to be very important. Ryan Vaughn, president of Indiana Sports Corp. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Now Hear This. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. If you missed any portion of our program, you can listen on our website, nowhearthisindy.com. If you'd like to have your organization featured on the show, please email Gabby at nowhearthisindy at iheartmedia.com. Thank you for listening, and we will be back again next weekend with Now Hear This. Hey, everybody. I'm Hannah Cox. And I'm Brad Palumbo. We're the host of the Base Politics Network, and we want you to join us for our weekly news roundup, The Base Brief. We believe in teaching people how to think, not what to think. So if you're tired of getting your news from overtly partisan journalists, this show is for you. We have no tribe, we pull no punches, and the only team we root for is the free market and individual liberty. On top of that, we're two good friends who both work as libertarian conservative commentators, but we don't always agree. 
On The Base Brief, we let you in on the conversations we're already having as we work to analyze the impact of public policies, spill the industry tea, and hash out our hot takes. Plus, you'll get bonus interviews with top liberty lawmakers and influencers like Senator Rand Paul, Congresswoman Nancy Mace, and Libertarian Party Vice Presidential nominee Spike Cohen. Search Based Politics on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe now. That's B-A-S-E-D Politics. We can't wait to catch up with you. And in the meantime, stay based.